This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friend James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com carries seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders. And with Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's vault, and the Easy Peasy credit card checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. Here we go. Welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 748 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to focus on a couple of listener emails before I get to that part of the show. Let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend Northeast420. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to my bro Stoner Dave. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Jeff O. Let's send a thank you shout out to Ars Kickerson. I want to send a big special thank you to Mateo. Let's send a big thank you shout out to the captain and commander of the Irie Army, my buddy Lemur Priest. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Billy Podunk. Let's send a big fist bump to my bro Wagwan. Let's send a thank you shout out to Pro Brewer Home Grower. I want to send a big thank you to my Canadian friend Tonto. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Uncle Gigi. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the podcast. All right, before I jump into the main topic of today's podcast, I do want to talk about something I saw today. I was driving around town and I saw a giant fire. There was a huge fire and it made me want to come home and remind you uh, if you're growing, uh, maybe if you're not growing, maybe just in your home, uh, definitely if you're growing, do you have a smoke detector, some sort of fire detector? Then if that goes off, do you have a fire extinguisher? Sometimes a lot of us may be running a lot of equipment. Uh, just plugging in a grow light could set you up for disaster if you're pulling too much power from the wall or if that grow light may be, uh, uh, what's the word? If it malfunctions, if it's faulty is the word I'm looking for, that grow light can definitely cause major problems. It can cause an electrical fire. It could cause a fire. We need to make sure as growers that we don't put that mark on our community. We've come a long way in cannabis legalization and cannabis acceptance uh, we are not, it's not crack anymore. We are not treated like the devil anymore. We're given a lot of privileges. Now it is our responsibilities to make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, it's our responsibility to make sure that we do not burn anything down. We've been given the rights to grow in our homes. Many of us are growing legally. A lot of you may be growing illegally. We need to be very careful to not have a fire. Let's avoid a fire. Let's be logical and think about it when we're setting up the grow. One thing that often causes a fire is people trying to pull too much electricity from one breaker or maybe even one breaker box. Think about all of the power you're pulling. If you're running too many extension cords, if you've got weak wiring, that could definitely cause a fire. Think about that. Don't ever overload an amp. Don't over or overload a breaker is what I'm trying to say with too many amps. Don't keep flipping that breaker. If it flips a couple of times, you've got a problem. You need to make some adjustments. 
Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Don't be that grower that burnt down the house, caused a huge fire on the entire block. The fire I saw today, uh, it was hours ago. It's probably still burning. It's going to take a minute to get that bad motherfucker out, but that fire was raging. Let's not cause the fires. Now, what I wanted to focus on uh, is, are you ready? If there, uh, I don't want you to have a fire, but you might, it could happen. Are you prepared? Do you have a strategy? Do you have a smoke detector? Something that's going to indicate to you, hey, there is smoke. You need to do some shit. Do you have a smoke detector in your house that will beep and let you know? Do you have something connected to uh, a device in your grow that will let you know on your phone? Will it notify you? Will it beep? Maybe you've got a heat sensor in there that will let you know, hey, it's way hot in here. It'll let you, it'll beep and let you know there's a fire in the grow room and you can see something's going on. Do you have some sort of notification? Something to think about with that notification of a fire if you're growing in an illegal area, do you really want the cops and the fire department coming to your grow? You may need a strategy for getting out that fire. So I highly recommend, uh, I recommend this for any home. If you've got a house uh, where there are people, if you're cooking, if you've got electricity, go get a fire extinguisher, a small fire extinguisher from a local hardware store. I hope you don't have to use it, but I would rather you have that fire extinguisher sitting on the shelf, sitting on the cupboard, uh, sitting on the counter. It only takes up a little bit of space, put it on top of the fridge, make sure everybody knows it's there, but I'd rather you have that and not need it than need it and not have it. That couple of bucks that you spend could save your life, your home, your family. It could save all your stuff. It's probably going to ruin your crop and your garden, but I'd rather spray down the entire grow space with some of that disgusting fire extinguisher shit than burn down the entire building structure facility that the grow is in. That would make a big difference to me. So do you have some sort of warning? First of all, I guess make sure you're not overloading any breakers, any circuits. Is all of your stuff safe? Is all of your stuff current? Do you have a bunch of old ballasts that make a bunch of weird noises uh, when you turn them on? Does it go, wah, 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 wah? does it sound like it's going to catch on fire? Guess what? It's gonna. Are all of your blowers connected properly? Is there anything in any of the fans or is all the wiring good? I know a lot of people do some uh, some real ingenuitive wiring to make shit work. Be very careful. Let's not burn anything down. That's the first thing to think about is not cause any fires. Then if you do, do you have something to notify you? Then think about the interaction with law enforcement and the fire department. Is it okay to have that girl where you have it? Do you have a way to get that fire out before they get there? Do you have a strategy? Do you have an excuse? Do you have a friend that you can call to help you out? Do you have something in place? Then once that alarm goes off, do you have a way to put out that fire? They sell at a lot of the uh, cultivation stores, the hydroponic stores, the grow stores. Uh, a lot of the places sell a flame defender. I, nobody pays me any money to say anything about these products. They sell a flame defender uh, fire extinguisher that hangs from the ceiling of your grow space. And if that grow space reaches a certain temperature, that thing will rupture and fire retardant powder will explode all over your grow space. It goes in a 360 degree pattern. It will spray and throw this uh, disgusting dust all over. It will put out the fire, but it will ruin everything in that room. All of your grow gear will need a thorough cleaning. All of your plants are pretty much fucked at that point but it will rescue a fire. So I'd recommend checking out the Flame Defender. Again, they don't pay me to advertise. I'm just, I want you guys to be safe. I The, uh, the podcast is Grow From Your Heart. I care about people. I care about you guys. I saw something today. I thought maybe I could give you a hint and help you out. So uh, they don't pay me to say this. Flame Defender looks like a good product. It is a, I think that's what it's called. I forgot to Google and research. It's what I remember. Uh, it will put out a fire in case of a fire and you don't even have to be there. It will just explode, rupture, put out the powder and extinguish that fire for you. Or you've got the option to have a fire extinguisher. And if you do buy a fire fire extinguisher, it may be a good idea to pull the pin and give it a spray one time. Just see what that's like. 
maybe practice. It's always when you get a new job at a big facility, I've gotten jobs at like warehouses and factories and places where there could be fires. Oftentimes uh, I'm kind of a bigger dude and I'm ready, willing and able. I've got fucking I'm strong minded. I'm, I'm kind of bossy. I can follow instructions. I'm one of the guys that gets trained on how to use the fire extinguisher all the time because they know that I can handle an emergency situation. That's just my mindset. Uh, so I've been trained on using the fire extinguisher. They do it in a commercial uh, and commercial grows. They do it in what am I saying? Industrial jobs. They do it in commercial jobs. Uh, so why not train yourself on it? Get ready. Be prepared to use that fire extinguisher. I don't want you to have to use it. I really don't. I don't want there to be a fire. I don't want you to have to spray anything, but I would rather you have the fire extinguisher and know how to use it instead of freak out and run down the street when the fire is happening and end up making things even worse. So I saw a fire today, you guys. It made me want to remind you to think about safety in the grow. That's something that often gets overlooked. We don't think about it. It's something I don't talk about enough, probably uh, being an advocate, a teacher, an educator, um, whatever you want to call me here in the cannabis space, a podcaster. Um, I think it is part of my responsibility to remind you not to be that grower. Don't burn the shit down. Don't burn it down until it's dried and cured, bro. All right, let's get off of this topic of seeing a fire. That was a huge fire. Get your shit together. Be ready for that. Um, that was a lot of smoke that I saw today. Also, I hope everybody's safe. Uh, yeah, that's all I could say about that. Let's keep moving. There is an email here. It says, this one comes from our friend Dio. What up, Dio? It goes a lot like this. It says, hey, Rasta Jeff, I'm somewhat new to helping people out with the flowers I grow. Well, thank you for helping. Uh, even if you're new, you're helping and that's what matters. It says, I have an older friend who is trying cannabis to deal with intense nerve pain. I hope that's helping. It says she has got fibromyalgia and spinal stenosis to name a couple of her conditions. Sounds like she may have a few more that you didn't list off. I hope we find some medicine that works well for your friend here. Uh, big up and fist bump to you for helping somebody. It says her pain heavily affects what she can do, especially with her hands. Yes, I definitely understand that. It says I've given her some flowers to see if it helps, uh, but consumption uh, let's see. But smoking consumption through smoking is rough. Oh, and when I say flowers, maybe I haven't uh, made this clear. When I say flowers, uh, I'm just kind of in the, in the industry. I'm an industry snob, I guess. When we say flowers, we mean buds. We mean weed, uh, the dried buds, the parts you want to smoke, the herbs, the buds, the nugs. Uh, that's that's flowers. And then if you talk about concentrates, we just say concentrates. So you can get flowers, concentrates, edibles, and then you can actually get clones and plants. Those are the things that are available. So when I'm saying flowers, I'm talking about dried and cured buds that are smokable. That's what our friend here is referring to as well. So uh, our friend has given our his, uh, we're going to call this person your patient. You've given your patient um, some herb and she's got fibromyalgia and spinal stenosis and her hands are limited. She can't do things with her hands and smoking the flower is difficult. She can't roll joints with her hand pain. And it seems uh, it's even makes for properly holding the pipe difficult. So that's got to be rough. She can't hold the pipe and light it with a lighter properly because her hands are uh, losing strength and getting sore. It says, I've brought up some fancy flower vaporizer vaporizers that might ease the process, but the price point for something decent is a bit high. Yes, unfortunately, the price point is quite high for getting yourself into one of those electric smoking devices. And you have to be careful because you don't want to smoke the polyurethane stuff uh, and the wire coating. And you, you want to get a good product so you don't smoke a bunch of bullshit. But um, they are quite expensive. It says, I plan on letting her try my volcano my next trip to visit. I've also brought her some homemade can of salve with other medicinal herbs in it. She's a light user at best, so concentrates are out of the question for now. All right, so it sounds like our friend is going to ask uh, how he can more easily medicate 
our new patient here. Uh, it sounds like the condition is making it uh, tough. They can't smoke because they can't hold the pipe properly. They can't roll joints. Um, man, you're, they are very lucky to have a friend like you. That is something that uh, is very beneficial to this person. Not only are they going to get medicated through cannabis, they're going to get some relief that way once we get them dialed in with their dosage and the proper strain and all the stuff that they need, but also a huge part of medicating with cannabis. In my opinion, in my experience, in my belief is uh, the social aspect. We feel better when we are with people that we enjoy being with. It just feels good, right? What's like being here right here by me, by myself, this is cool. But if you put Mike right there or Clint right there, the party's going to be way better. There's going to be two of us. It's going to be twice the vibes, twice the energy. You could even put somebody I don't know right there. And as long as they're not a fucking psycho, and even if they are a psychopath, I could still probably have a good time with them. It's going to get better. Almost everything you do is better with people. And if you add a couple more people and a couple more people, that's why festivals are so cool. The vibe just gets stronger. We all spread the energy. It feels good to be social. I think that smoking with this person and being a good friend to this person uh, and being, uh, we call this a caregiver situation is what this used to be in Colorado. You are this person's caregiver. You've decided to take caregiver responsibilities as a cannabis caregiver to this person. Uh, that is a huge part the social aspect and hanging out, smoking, caring for this person is a huge part of the medicinal aspect of cannabis. When you smoke, at least for me, uh, if you've ever been around me in person, I'll take a big dab and set down the dab rig and blow up the smoke and just start fucking talking. I love being social and hanging out and being around people after I smoke. And this person, they're, they're in pain. They're hurting. They're not feeling good. And so as soon as they smoke, they're going to feel better and they're going to want to chit chat and you're going to be there and you're going to fire their conversation up and give them ideas and you're going to help them mainly forget that they're in pain, forget that they've got problems. That's that's what our friends do for us. We've all got bills to pay and shit on our mind and things to worry about. But when you got friends and you smoke, a lot of that shit goes out of your mind for a minute. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. It's got to be dealt with, but it's good for you to get away, get some giggles, get some laughter, get some social interaction. So your friend is very lucky to have you, very blessed to have a caregiver like you that is concerned enough to reach out to me to find better ways to help. I am rambling here. You said that you want to let her try the volcano on the next trip. I really think that's going to be the best ways to go about it. It does say, though, I recently pushed her some info on how to make some can of butter out of the flour I gave her, as it seems lightly ingested doses through the day may be her best at managing pain. That is probably accurate, but you've got to be careful in adjusting her into edibles because um, you know as well as I do, a little bit too much edibles can be way too much edibles. So that five milligrams over the limit for a new consumer could definitely take the experience from like, oh, this feels good to, oh shit, this is not a good time. I never want to do this. We definitely don't want to scare your friend away from cannabis. We want to ease her into cannabis as medicine. And that's how you do any other medicine you would ease in. You wouldn't jump in with a fucking heroic dose of anything. So be careful. Ease her in slowly with the doses. It says there's another option in tinctures, but I don't have the knowledge or equipment to make it, and it's expensive locally, might not be her first choice. Is there any way of consuming dry flour that is a bit more accessible with limited use of the hands? Depending on how the butter works for her, it might be the best fit. Thanks in advance. Uh, then he wraps it up here with a lot of great stuff. Dio, thank you for the great message. Big up on you for helping this patient, uh, this client of yours. I really think that the edibles would be a great way to go. She's going to get longer relief, uh, uh, better acting relief, more effective relief that it's going to get inside the body and get in there deeper. I feel like edibles, when you eat it, it knows where to go. And it's like, I'm going to go right there and make your pain go away. And the edibles will work. Um, also, 
uh, smoking isn't really healthy. It sounds like your friend's got enough health concerns and enough problems already. Smoking isn't really, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a hypocrite here because I take gigantic dabs all day, but if this person isn't already smoking and doesn't have the habit and the comfort of it, maybe edibles would be the way to go. Let's just save their lungs and keep them healthy. They have enough, enough health concerns. We don't need to introduce lung problems and a cough into this scenario here. Uh, so let's give them edibles and see how that goes. Um, also, I do really think that the volcano is going to be a great option, a great uh, effective way of consuming because you can fill that bag and then you got to push that little thing in on the, on the volcano to make it work. But as long as she can use two hands or make that click, uh, that would work. Also, there's got to be a way you can rig the volcano back open for her so that she can use it when you're not there. Um, yeah, smoking isn't really good. So I would say work on the edibles would be one of the things that I would definitely work on. Now, I did compliment you on being a great caregiver. A piece of advice that I would recommend is if you do go the edible route, maybe give her the edibles when you can be there for the next at least two to four, maybe six hours. You might want to hang out or at least be able to stay for a few hours and see if she freaks the heck out or just be able to pop in occasionally and make sure she doesn't need anything. If you can't stick around for the whole duration of the time, make sure you could stay until it kicks in, make sure she's comfortable, then go handle your business, then come back maybe every hour, maybe every hour and a half or two hours. Make sure she doesn't need anything. Uh, sometimes around hour four, maybe hour six, those edibles will change gears on you and she'll just be stuck in a corner wishing that you'd bring her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a Dr. Pepper or something. Maybe that's all she needs to save her life at that point. But I, rec I, I do recommend going the edible route. I also highly recommend you hang out while you give her the edibles, stick around, make sure she's safe, make sure she's comfortable, um, get some good uh, snacks available, some healthy snacks, uh, get some good conversation in your mind prepared, maybe have some good Netflix prepared, do a, a friendly Netflix chill and edibles session, see how that goes. Uh, one ironic thing, uh, it's terrible that I think this route, but one thing I think is ironic in the cannabis industry, we sell all these products to people to make them feel better. And then one of the most frustrating things is that we put all these products in childproof containers and the people with hand problems can't even open them. So I understand the struggle. Sometimes I've got good hands and sometimes I can't even get the products open. So I understand how frustrating it could be. Uh, my dude, Dio, you are a great person for helping out your friend. Um, I really hope that the edibles work. Uh, I really hope you can find a way to dose the edibles properly. If you could get um, some lab tested edibles, that would be ideal, but I understand we've all got to work within our means and with our budget. I don't even know if you're in a legal place, but I think edibles would be the way to go. Definitely. Oh, I was going to recommend also another vaporizer. You said the volcano. I have experience with the Vapor Brothers vaporizer. It's a small, uh, looks like a wooden box with a, the whip, the tube comes out of it that you hit. That's real easy for someone to manage, even if you have minimal hand abilities. Uh, all you have to do is grind up the herb that may maybe you could go pre-grind up a bunch of herb for her, give her like an eighth or a quarter of ground up herb that's ready to go. Then all she's got to do is fill the whip. You know what I mean? Like if, if you guys have used a vaporizer, you know which part the whip is. You just got to fill the whip and get it up onto the heating element and then let it heat. All she's got to do at that point is grab the other end of the whip and inhale and smoke the vape. Um, and you know, it won't even, if you set it the right temp, the herb doesn't burn until you're, it doesn't vaporize until you draw through it because you have to move the heat over the, over the herb. It's not constantly heating. So the vapor brothers device is another option that I may recommend. Uh, check out vapor brothers, good product. Again, those guys don't pay me at all. It's a good product. I used to have one. I used it. It was great. Um, 
Also, the Buddha is very similar. The Buddha and the Silver Surfer, they're all the Vapor Brothers, the Buddha, the Silver Surfer. In my opinion, they're all going to be similar quality for their price point. They're all going to be great for what they cost. They're all effective for their price point. Again, nobody pays me. Uh, I'm just talking out of experience and things that I have used. Um, my other advice, eventually, you said that she's a new smoker and dabs would probably wreck her. Eventually, she's going to want to move up to dabs because... Uh, concentrates are more cost effective in my opinion. And at that point, that's when I would go with the Puffco. The Puffco would be super easy for this person. However, right now, I think the Vapor Bros, the Volcano, or some good old-fashioned edibles are the way to go. My dude, Dio, thank you for the great message. I hope we were able to help your friend out. Uh, big on you, big up to you for uh, helping out people and taking it upon yourself to be that kind of a friend. The world needs more people like you. Go smoke a joint with your friend. Tell him Rasta Jeff said what's up. All right, this message came from my friend Ye Motherfucking Ha. Shout out to my buddy Ye Motherfucking Ha. Great dude, good grower. All the other stuff is questionable. This message says, just in case you read this on the podcast, big salute to the Irie Army. Big salute, brother. Thank you for being a part of the Irie Army. Thank you for letting me pick on you. Always a good time. It says, I have a question about small scale pheno hunting. That is a very good question. It says, if the goal is to sift through as many new plants as possible while identifying the keepers and winners, do you think it would be better to clone everything before I flip or reveg plants that show themselves to be the most worthy once they have flowered? That is a very good question. I've got a very good answer for that. However, there is more to the message. It says, typically, I try and make it my practice to always take at least one clone of every, every plant before I flip it to flower. However, that is a lot of clones and a small space to hang on to while determining if I need to run them again. Yes, that is completely understandable. Uh, I totally get it. Being a breeder, doing some, being somebody that does a lot of pheno hunts, uh, this is one of my struggles, especially since Colorado has got me limited down to so few plants to do a pheno hunt. I definitely, cutting clones, you just doubled your numbers immediately. So I understand the struggle here. It goes on though. There's more. It says it's a lot of clones are turning. Okay. Recently, I recently had a round of clones fail and I have one plant that I'm thinking I will have to reveg because I want to take her out on some more dates. I love the way you think about that. As I'm thinking about this, I realized that revegging those that stand out only might make, might take a bit longer, but would lessen the amount of clones that I care for and potentially could save me space. It sounds like you're on the right track, bro. It sounds like you were on a good path. One thing I'm going to jump in, I'm going to interrupt myself here. Uh, the revegging process might take a little bit longer. Uh, do you do the 18-6 method that I talk about? At the end of flower, when you begin flushing, flip those lights to 18-6. Then the plants will speed up a little bit more quickly. Then they're already going back to reveg. Of course, uh, this is hard to do because you're doing a pheno hunt, so maybe you haven't ran these plants before. But when you know you're going to harvest in a couple days, you could flip them early. You could turn them back. It doesn't matter if it's 14 days, 10, 7, 5. Any days ahead are days ahead. So that will get you sped up on the reveg process. That'll get you going. There's more to it. It says, I also like the idea of not growing out a bunch of clones just to kill them. That is a very... Very great point. If they're not what I'm looking for or growing out something okay just because I had a clone. Oh, that's another good thing I didn't think about. Sometimes you might just grow that plant just because the clone exists. You didn't even need it. Not a quality plant. Never thought of that route. That's a good way to give yourself some discipline. He wraps it up by saying, I feel that 
Both cloning and reveg arguments have their merits, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on the topic. What strategy would you use if you were hunting in a basement with a few tents? Big love and respect from your dude, ye motherfucking ha. Thank you, bro. This is a great question. Um, I understand. I understand the struggle completely. I definitely do because I like to do a lot of pheno hunts myself. And like I said earlier, if I pop a pack of seeds, I'm allowed 12 plants. If I pop 10 seeds, I'm already really close to the limit. If I cut clones of all of those, I'm definitely in the illegal zone. By the time those clones root, I am in an illegal time frame. Uh, one thing you could do is you could cut those clones a little bit later. You can cut them right as the plant goes into flower, then cut the clones. That'll save you a couple of weeks, but that's not uh, the way that I'm going to recommend. I think you've got the right idea. The way that you are thinking about revegging, I definitely think you've got the right strategy. Uh, the idea is to grow a pack of seeds and find the best one out of there, right? And uh, people talk about growing a bunch of seeds. I think you should find, I think if you buy a 10 pack of my seeds, you'll probably find the keeper in the 10 pack. There'll be one, maybe two gems in there that really stand out. You shouldn't have to buy too many packs. But so the idea is to run the 10 pack and find the gem in there. I do agree that uh, the reveg, since we're so limited on numbers, I agree completely that the reveg is a great strategy for doing this. So I would run my 10 and then I would, early on, I'm going to eliminate a bunch of boys. So now I could just cut out a bunch of boys. I probably got five left. I'm going to keep an eye on them. You're already going to know that that one over there is too stretchy or just too short or too shitty. You already know that number five is gone. Now you're down to four. So now you've only got four left. Definitely, I would reveg the best two at the end. Um, and we'll talk about reveg real quick. I would cut off, uh, harvest almost everything except like somewhere between two and five little buds on the bottom, just thumb size buds. My thumbs aren't super big. Uh, thumb size nuggets and leave foliage. You need leaves. You can't just reveg sticks. Uh, you need some foliage on there. A bud with a couple of leaves on it is ideal. Somewhere between two and five thumb size nuggets is all you need. If your plant is root bound, I would repot it to a bigger pot at this time. That will encourage the uh, the revegging process. So you've cut everything down. You've left a couple of buds at the very bottom, two to five buds the size of my thumb. Put that plant under at least 18 hours of light, maybe 18.6, maybe 19.5. If you want to get crazy, put it under 24 hours of light. I really think some sleeping time does everything nicely. They really enjoy the sleepy time. Uh, you love a nap. The plants love a nap. Your equipment will appreciate the nap. Your electricity bill will enjoy the nap as well. So maybe put them under like 19 hours of light, five hours of darkness. If you want to do 24, if you don't have a super intense light, do the 24. If you got a good light, you can adjust that. So I would cut down almost everything except the bottom five-ish nuggets, um, up pot it or do some root pruning if you're experienced in that. Then put it under 18, 19, maybe 20 hours of light, depending on the quality of light, which you're able to give it. Then start feeding it a vegetative nutrient mix. Give it a high nitrogen diet. Uh, then just feed it as normal, water it as normal, and then just wait. Eventually that plant will start to spit out new growth shoots. Uh, sometimes they'll come out looking crazy. They'll be twisty and spindly and they'll look like they've got problems. That's what you expect from a reveg. Give that a little bit of time. It will begin to turn into normal leaves. You'll see eventually it'll make one day. It'll just make a long, normal shoot with beautiful leaves coming out of the top. You'd be like, Oh, that's a normal weed plant again. What I recommend is to clone that new part. You've got that new fresh growth, clone that part, make that the mother plant, grow that part out, then cut clones from that. So it takes a little bit to get there, but that is the way I recommend it. Reveg it, cut a clone, veg out the clone, then cut clones from that one so that you've got fresh plants to work with. So I think your strategy 
is a really good idea. That way, uh, you don't have to wait for those clones to uh, root. You don't have to try to keep them alive. You don't have to waste space. Uh, you don't have to cut the clones. That takes a whole, that's a little bit of time right there. Just depending on how many plants you've got, you want to get two or three, maybe five cuts of everything. That's going to take you a couple hours, maybe an hour right there just to fill the clone dome. So save yourself some time. Don't cut the clones that you don't need. Don't stress on keeping them alive. Don't double up your numbers. Focus on finding that plant that is perfect for you. We talk about phenotype selection a lot. Find that one that is perfect for you. Find the two that may be perfect for you. Select those, keep them, get them in reveg, get them cloned again. Then what I recommend is have your favorite one or two, have a keeper plan of that, and then we're going to do it again. We're going to use your favorite two, and we're going to veg those up. But at the same time, we're going to run another pack of seeds so that we can compare another pack of seeds to the two keepers, the one keeper we've already selected, and keep doing pheno hunts to find the best plants until you've got a room filled with the best plants. Right now, let's say that your legal limit is 10. Let's run 10 seeds and find a keeper out of that. Now you got one keeper out of that. Now let's run nine more seeds and fill all 10 spots and then find a keeper out of that one. And now we've got eight spots left. Let's pop eight more seeds until we fill that whole room with nothing but badass keepers or at least the amount of keepers you desire or at least maybe one marvelous plant that you just keep upgrading all the time. You're like, this one's better. We're keeping that. This one's better. We're keeping that. Keep striving, hunting for that best one. Then cut a bunch of clones of that. Then fill all of those tents with that bad bitch that you do find. So I think you've got the right idea, my dude. If you've got any follow-up questions, you know that I would love to hear from you. Everybody else out there, if you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know that I would love to hear from you. The email address, of course, is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me the questions, corrections, comments, concerns, constructive criticism, positive feedback. I will take all of that. Also, don't forget about the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. If I said all of that too quickly, because sometimes I get talking pretty fast, check out my website at iregenetics.com. Everything you need will be at iregenetics.com. There's a link to the discord server. There's a link to seed vendors. There's a link to merchandise. There is a grow help tab. If you have a grow question, you can simply fill out the uh, questionnaire on the grow help tab. Then you type in your grow question, hit send. That will send it right to my email. It will vibrate in my pocket and I will print out the question. And I will answer your grow question right here on the podcast. That way I can get you a solid answer. And if you've got the question, that probably means there are a lot of other growers out there that need help with the same thing. Help me help you send me your questions, either grow from your heart at hotmail.com or use that grow help tab at irigenetics.com. All right. I think that is all I've got for you for this episode. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy, purple skunk. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mama a hug for me. 